Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord trust, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, O Lord my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you planted for us. No one can recount to you. Why, to speak and tell of them, there will be too many to declare. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but my years you have pierced. Burn offerings and sing offerings you did not require. Then I say, here I am, I have come. It is written about me in the score. I desire to do your will, O oh my God. Your law is within my heart. I proclaim righteousness in a great assembly. I do not seal my lips as you know, O oh Lord. I do not hide your righteousness in my heart. I speak your, of your faithfulness and salvation. I do not conceal your love and your truth from the great assembly. Do not withhold your mercy from me, O Lord. May your love and your truth always protect me. For troubles without number surround me. My sins have overtaken me, and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head, and my heart falls within me. Be pleased, O Lord, to save me. O Lord, come quickly to help me. May all who seek to take my life be put to shame and confusion. May all who desire my will be turned back in disgrace. May those who say to me, aha, aha, be appalled at their own shame. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those be, who, love you, who love your salvation always say, the Lord be exalted. Yet I'm poor and needy. May the Lord think of me. You are my help and my deliverer. Oh my God, do not delay. Hebrews 10. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. If it could, would they not have stopped being offered? For the worshippers would have been cleansed once and for all, and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins, because it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased. Then I said, Here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, O God. First he said, Sacrifices and offerings. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, although the law required them to be made. Then he said, Here I am, I have come to do your will. You see, he sets aside the first to establish the second. And by that will, we have been made holy, through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ 
once and for all. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, and since that time he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool, because by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First he says, This is the covenant I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts, and I will write them on their minds. Then he adds, Their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, there is no longer any sacrifice for sin. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. This is the word of God. Well, the word, the word that's on the screen uh, up in front of us, better. It's a word that's it's been really something that I've been wrestling with over the last few weeks. I've been asking myself the question, is it, is it better to follow Christ? And, and now I work in a school and, and as a teacher I have to set exams. And I know, that, I know that question is kind of unhelpful because really you can answer it by just saying yes or no and kind of discussion ends. So I want to put a statement out for you. Uh, it's this, it is far better, it is far better to follow Christ. What do you think? Uh, what's your response? Perhaps some of you are thinking that's, that's a little bit arrogant. I mean, I know, I know Christians uh, and they don't really look all that much different uh, to, to people I know who don't follow Jesus. Uh, you know, I look at my neighbour, uh, he's, a, he's a fairly good person, he has a fairly, fairly good life. He's actually not that much better. Uh, and perhaps that's, that's true. Uh, following Christ doesn't change you that much. And perhaps that's been your experience of people who have said that they follow Jesus. Maybe, maybe though, your problem is with the, with the far better. How can you say it's actually far better? I mean, you know, I've got a Muslim friend or a Buddhist friend or a friend who doesn't even believe in God. How can you say that, that li- a life of following Jesus is, is far better? You see... I think I, that statement works because, because it's not a self-confidence. It's not a confidence that, that looks to me. It's a confidence that, that looks away from me. Uh, it is far better to follow Jesus. You see, the writer of Hebrews, we've been looking at this book over the last few weeks, uh, he's been building up. He's been building up to a point where, where he wants us to, to affirm this loudly and boldly. Uh, so if you look at verse 19 in the, in the passage in chapter 10, the writer says this, Therefore, brothers... 
Since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us, through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God. Uh, it's far better not because of, because of the follower of Jesus, but because of the one that they follow. Uh, the writer of Hebrews shows the betterness of Jesus. He speaks of his blood. He speaks of his death. He, he speaks of, of, of now having access to God, relationship with God. Uh, he also speaks of, of Jesus' role as, as priest. Uh, it's a word that speaks of how, how God stands between, how Jesus stands between God and man. Uh, he's our mediator. But all those things, are, I guess, are a little bit out there. And, and I reckon it's great. I think most of us here can, can affirm, you know, it is far better to follow Christ. But I'm sure there are some in the room as well who, who just don't feel uh, positive about that statement. Uh, they, they find it hard to agree. You know, I, I just think, you know, when I hear Jesus, I only hear about my life and, I, and I'm just not good enough to approach God. Uh, perhaps the reality of the Christian life for you is, is, is it's, it's hard work. Uh, perhaps people in your workplace, they know that you follow Jesus and so they see you as strange. Uh, you know, they walk past you. Uh, they don't want to have a conversation. You see, the reality of the Christian life is that it can be hard and it can be a struggle. But, but today's passage says it's far better to follow Christ. Uh, and I want to talk about two things today. Uh, the first thing, I'll, I want to talk about the, the grounds for that confidence. Uh, why, why, why can we confidently say that? Uh, the second thing, I want to talk about the implications. The implications, you know, what it means for us here uh, at Church by the Bridge uh, and for our, for our, our community. So first of the grounds, it would, be, it would be really great if you had uh, opened your Bibles uh, to Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, I'm going to refer to it, and uh, and as I said before, uh, you know the writer has been building. Uh, he's been building, and and it, and if you heard sort of blood of Jesus and and got, uh, Jesus priestly work, you, you're probably thinking all that sort of stuff is is kind of out there. You know, it's not actually affecting and impacting me. Uh, but you you look straight away into the passage, and you can see that the writer has in mind the people that he writes to. You see, they're wrestling. They they've trusted in Jesus, but they want to turn back. They, they want to go back to, to the way of, uh, of following God in the temple. They want to go back to sacrifices. And in many ways, I, I can understand why. Uh, you see, it, it's, it's, it's quite satisfying, I think, to, to be able to go up to the temple, uh, bring your, your goat or your bull, sacrifice it, and, and to, to go away um, after having had a priest sacrifice that, sacrifice that animal, knowing that your, your sins have been dealt with. Uh, it's satisfying to know that you know, you've had a part to play in it. But... But the writer says that's only a shadow. You know, it's a shadow. It, it points to something better. Uh, and the better reality is Jesus. Uh, Jesus, who is verse 10 says there, uh, Jesus, whose death uh, makes, uh, makes us holy. Uh, Jesus, who is, whose death is actually able to take away our sins. You see, in the first opening few verses, you see the problem with that, with that old way. Uh, the problem is that, that you've got to repeat it. You've got to go back again and again. You, you, your heart isn't actually changed. You, you, you leave the temple, but you still actually can't obey God and, and follow God as you should. So you've got to go back and, and do it again and you've got to go back again and again and it's not able to make perfect. It's impossible. It never takes away the sin. It's only a shadow. The good thing is Jesus. Uh, and the good thing that he wants to point out there, look at verse 10 uh, with Jesus, is this. Uh, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. 
You see, Jesus' death is, is once for all. It doesn't need to be repeated uh, because Jesus was able to do what we couldn't do. Uh, he was able to follow God perfectly. Uh, and then by offering his body, uh, he was able to deal with the thing that gets in the way between us and God, our sin. The, the barrier between us and God has been completely broken down. It's a, it's a once-for-all sacrifice uh, and it does something. It changes us. It actually cleanses us and, and makes us holy. So, so when we, we come away from trusting in Jesus, uh, we can know, know for certain that our sin has been, has been put aside. Uh, it, it's been dealt with once and for all. Uh, but not only that, uh, the writer also wants to point out, uh, by using this illustration of the priest, that, that it's a completed work. It's, it's done. He, he sort of has to repeat it again, I think, because, because I think it's so enticing to go back to that way of, of being involved um, in taking away your sins. So he says, that, did you notice how when you turned up the temple, the priest stood up and, and he would, you know, day after day, do those sacrifices. But you notice how Jesus, what does Jesus do? He sits, he sits down. Uh, his work's done, it's over. He, he sits down at the right hand of God as well. Uh, and look at verse 14. Uh, it, he's able to deal with our sin because by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. So, so he's made us holy, he's dealt with our sin, but now the writer speaks about how, how we're being made perfect. He, he speaks to those, he speaks to, a, to this community uh, that the writer's writing to, and he tells them that, that God is actually setting them aside forever, uh, setting them aside to be his people. Uh, perhaps, perhaps you think at this stage, well, you know, I know this and, and this is great, but, but I just don't... I just don't know that. You know, I feel my, my sin is actually, you know, in the way of me and, and I actually can't come to God. You know, I, I want to do the good that, that God speaks about, but, but I just can't. Well, I think the writer preempts that and, he, and he, he wants to remind us again of the covenant, the new covenant. He, he gets us back into Jeremiah and rather than, you know, quote a big long bit of scripture, he just gives us a little highlights package. Uh, uh, you know, a little highlights package where he wants us to focus on on, on the dramatic change that takes place because of Jesus' death. You see, he, he speaks of a few things. Look at verse 15 there. The Holy Spirit testifies. He, he speaks about the new covenant. This is the covenant I'll make with them. After that time, says the Lord, I'll put my laws in their hearts and I'll write them on their minds. He speaks about, about the people of God having a transformed heart and mind. It, you don't have the, the desires of God without Jesus. But, but with Jesus' death, you've actually got God's desires. You've got, you've got his, uh, his will. But also this, you've got that assurance of forgiveness. He continues on and, and talks about how their sins and their lawless acts, I'll remember no more. It's as if, as if God has got the charge seat and, he, and he's just throwing it away. Uh, it's no longer going to be a record or a stain against, against who you are. Uh, it's completely put away. I'll remember those sins no more. Jesus, uh, the, the writer here, points, to, points to, to, to the good thing, not the shadow. He shows, he shows how it can never take away our sins. You see, Jesus has made us holy. He's made us perfect. He's made a people perfect. Uh, he's given us new hearts, hearts and minds that desire to do the will of God. And so, so it's once for all. It doesn't need to be repeated. And he can finish uh, in verse 18 there with that great conclusion. There is no longer any sacrifice for sin. So, so why would you go back? Why would you go back? Uh, I'm, uh, I'm regularly, I, I regularly upset people, um, unfortunately. Uh, I, I, I think I'm prone to do it. Uh, I, love, I love to sort of 
you know, help people and, and so I guess I, I forget to ask um, and uh, that they, they actually want the help. Um, and, and, I, and I always forget. I always forget conversations that I've had. You know, I'm always upsetting my wife by, by organising things. You know, we we kind of say on Saturdays we're just going to do one thing. Um, and I forget that you know, we've talked about you know, whenever we're going to book something with someone else, we talk together about it and, and we make sure we're both okay with that. Um, and I'm always making that mistake. Now, I, I, I've done that recently uh, and I, I know that, uh, that upsets my wife. I know that, that she's upset with me because cause I actually move away from her. I, you know, I distance myself from her. You know, I, I know that I've got to say sorry. Um, and usually it's not until, you know, we're in bed at the end of the night uh, and, and I have to say I'm sorry. And, and I'm just sorry. I don't put any buts or any, this is the reason why I'm sorry. And she forgives me. Uh, it's, the, it's the great thing about being in relationship that you can upset someone but they can forgive you. Uh, it would be foolish of me, though, the next day to sort of try and make up for that, wouldn't it? She, she said you're forgiven, uh, and then to turn back and, and try and make up for her, you know, get her flowers or um, perhaps give her a nice, easy day so that when we've got to do that event that I shouldn't have put in the calendar, she'll be okay. Um, no, it, it's foolish because I've been forgiven. You see, you see that's the same with God. Uh, Jesus' death, if you trust in him, if you trust in Jesus' death, means that, that you're forgiven. There's, there's no need to, uh, to sacrifice uh, again. Jesus' sacrifice is once for all and it perfects us, it makes us holy. Uh, so there is no longer any sacrifice for sin. So, so that's the grounds. Uh, that, that, that's the conclusion, I guess, to a whole lot of chapters that the writer of Hebrews has been wanting us to be reminded of so that we actually put our trust in Jesus, uh, so that we're actually confident, uh, confident to do. But, but what is it that, it that he wants to encourage us to do? Well, he gets there now in this, in this great climax uh, from verse 19 on. And I want to talk about three things. Uh, what can we be confident to do as a, as a community of Christ? Well, the first thing is we can be confident to approach God in worship. Have a look at verse 22. He says, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith. You see, I've already said that. Jesus' death gives us free and clear access to God. Uh, those, those trusting Jesus have been cleansed. So... so we don't have to worry about our sin. You know, I think, it's, I think it's, our, it's, our, it's our problem with ourselves that actually, you know, stops us from coming to God. Uh, we, we think uh, that there's a barrier there, uh, and there is. But Jesus' death has put that aside. Uh, we're free now um, to come before God in worship with our whole lives. A verse that stuck out for me last week when Mark was preaching was in, uh, it was in chapter 9, verse 14. Uh, Paul says this, how much more? How much more will the blood of Christ cleanse our conscience from acts that lead to death so that, so that we may serve the living God? You see, we've got a changed heart. You know, the new covenant means spiritual. God's spirit works inside us. New desires. We've got the full assurance of faith because, because we, know, we know that Jesus' death is able to completely save so therefore, we're free to serve the living God. Uh, it's great news. You know, he says, how much more? How much more? You know, before you were tied up with, with trying to love God because perhaps you were fearful. You were fearful of God's judgment. And so, and so you, you did these things because, you know, because of concern. Now we're freed up. We don't have to worry about that. Uh, we're freed up just to, to love and serve. Christ's, Christ's death means that we can, can, one, firstly, confidently serve God. Uh, we can worship him now with our whole lives. 
But the second, the second great thing, the second great confidence is this. We're, we're now confident to maintain our Christian profession. Now, notice notice uh, in verse 23 there, he says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Now, now we've heard this before in the book, um, but, but he gives us this added incentive here uh, in chapter 10. For he who promised is faithful. You see, the, the writer urges us, not, urges us not only to persevere with our trusting of Jesus, but, but also to witness. You see, you see, the Christian faith is not something that you keep to yourself. Uh, you know, the Christian faith is always proclaiming, always professing. It's always speaking about, about the greatness of what God has done. Uh, and and the, grounds, the grounds for that are, are always in the faithfulness of God. You see, the writer, the writer looks back, doesn't he? He looks back to what, what God has done in sending Jesus. Uh, he, he has fulfilled his promises. You know, the Old Testament, he, he, he's grabbed that regularly to sort of show that this is what God has promised and he's now done this. Uh, but he also looks forward. Uh, at the end of those verses, he says, and all the more as the day approaches. It, God has been faithful and he, he will be faithful. The storyline of the Bible says that, uh, that just as Christ has been resurrected, uh, so Christ will return. Uh, he will return uh, to judge the living and the dead, as we've reminded ourselves today in the creed. Uh, so there's, there's great confidence, great confidence to us to uh, profess that faith. But, but in many ways, I think it's, it's really easy to lose that confidence, isn't it? You know, when you're sharing your faith, you, you, you don't have to take too many knocks before you, you, you just struggle to go, well, do I really believe this? Uh, you know, is God, God really true? You know, it's actually hard to, to keep putting it out there and challenging people because people have questions and, and they, you lose confidence. But Jesus, uh, but the writer says here, uh, maintain your Christian profession. Uh, my, wife, my wife helpfully talked to, talked to me about how, how, you know, how she understands God at work in her life. You know, a bit like a monkey group. I, I was always a prop forward, so gymnastics and, and being a trapeze artist were, were just never going to be a, a possibility for me. But, uh, but I guess the, the monkey group sort of explains it really well. You know, where, where to maintain, maintain faith um, in Jesus. Uh, but God is faithful as well, and he grips on as well. And it's a, it's a lot stronger grip, isn't it, than just grasping out by yourself. Uh, you know, as we grasp out uh, maintaining our faith, uh, the faithful God of the Bible grasps out to grab us as well. So we, ha- we have great confidence. So, so cherish that hope. Uh, cherish it confidently and proclaim it boldly. Uh, it's a real and certain hope. A real and certain hope. But, but not only this, the writer wants us uh, to be confident as well. Uh, confident is not just to do this by ourselves, but to do this in community. Uh, the third thing he wants to say there in verse 25, uh, 24 is that we can be confident to provoke others to love and good deeds. He says in verse 24, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. As I said, Christ, Christ's death destroys that, that link between performance and acceptability before God. Uh, we can be confident to draw, draw near to God, um, but, but because we no longer have to perform, we can be confident to do good works. Uh, we're free and confident. You see, with Jesus, uh, doing good doesn't become you know, a desire to get right with God. Doing good becomes our response, our response to, to all the great things uh, that he has done for us. But uh, the, language, the language there, it talks about, about provoking, uh, arousing, 
uh, stimulating. Uh, I, I'm actually really good, I think, at provoking my children. Uh, I don't know if uh, Paul had me in mind when he wrote that verse, you know, don't exasperate your kids. Um, but, but I'm really good at provoking them. You know, I, I can find that niggle and I can keep coming back to it again and again. Um, I'm working on it um, and, and, it's, and it's definitely not a strength. Uh, it was becoming less of a strength. But, but it's the same language. I'm using it there negatively. But, but here the writer wants to use it positively. Uh, he wants us to consider how we can spur one another on, how we can provoke one another to, to love and good deeds. Uh, he's, he's not just talking about meeting together. He's not just saying, hey, make sure you meet together regularly, although he is saying that. Uh, because how can you do things in community if you actually don't meet together? Uh, you know, Christianity is not a, a solitary religion. Uh, it's done in community. Uh, and he's giving us licence, I think, um, to provoke each other, uh, to, to go back to each other and say, you know, you could, you could do this. Uh, you could love this person this way. Uh, how have you gone? Have you, have you loved that person? Uh, and, and if your response is, I guess, well, no, I haven't. I haven't had the chance. Well, provoke them. Ha- you know, ask them next week. Uh, you're chatting over coffee. Uh, have you read that book that I spoke to you about last week? Um, provoke them. Uh, there is, there is licence, there is confidence, uh, confidence um, to tell people to have a go. Uh, there's confidence to make mistakes. You see, we're not about performing, uh, we're about loving and we're free to love. Uh, so, so today over a cup of coffee, uh, find out, find out where, where each other needs uh, encouragement. Uh, perhaps ask someone about their job, you know, what are they finding hard at work? Uh, and, and feel confident to say, well, this worked for me. Uh, don't shrink back and say, well, I've got nothing to say to this. Uh, remember, we've got God's heart. Uh, we've been transformed by the Holy Spirit. Uh, and the Spirit reshapes what we love and how we show that love. Uh, we're no longer in our, in our sinful nature, uh, desiring things for ourselves. But we've got God's Spirit, which seeks the other person's good. Uh, perhaps, uh, you know, the, the areas that I've been, I guess, challenged with is, is thinking about discipling. I think I've, I've dropped the ball with that recently. Uh, I can think back in my own life how people have, have regularly met up with me and discipled me. Uh, what, am I, what, what have I been doing myself to, to encourage um, other people in this, in this church? So, so we've, we've seen the grounds of, our, of that confidence uh, and the writer is urged to do three things. There's going to be more next week. Uh, but we can do these things with confidence. Uh, in, in, my job, um, in my job as a chaplain at Redlands, uh, I, need, I, need, I guess I need to find out what, what kids are thinking. I work in the secondary school and so I've been really enjoying reading the Twilight series. I don't know if you've, you've come across that book. It's, it's been on the bestseller lists for a number of years. Uh, I've been enjoying it because I guess it's, it's a good chance to sort of get immersed in the world of vampires uh, and love. Uh, I, I, love I, don't, I love both those things. Um, and, and it's good to get involved in, 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 uh, in teenage romance. You kind of look at it and go, oh, this is sick, but, but you somehow get captivated and you're up to the third book and you're ready and itching to read the fourth book. Uh, but one of the things that's great is that I think, I think the author, uh, she sort of deals with how we think about God and, uh, and life. Uh, in, in one of the sections in the second book, New Moon, uh, the key character, Bella, is having a conversation with Carlisle. Uh, he's the father of this vampire clan. And they're talking about, about Bella's love and, and his son, Edward. Uh, and they're wrestling with the question, you know, God, God exists. Uh, heaven and hell exist. Uh, but their concern is, is about Edward. You know, will he, will he make it to heaven? 
it's, it's a real concern. He's a vampire and, and you know, everything about vampire history and books and all that sort of stuff should tell you that they're, they're damned beyond you know, all salvation. Uh, but, but they want to hope. They want to hope that there's something more for them. And Carlyle says this. He says, I look at my son, his strength, his goodness, the brightness that shines out of him. How could there not be more for one such as Edward? There's, there's no confidence. Uh, the confidence is sort of searching for, for the goodness of Edward. Uh, but the confidence that the follower of Christ has is not in themselves. And, I, and I'm glad for that. Uh, I'm glad for that because my confidence is in the completed once-for-all sacrifice of Jesus Christ. He perfects us. He makes us holy. He, he makes us holy as a, as a community forever. And that enables me to, to come before God even when I'm not feeling like you know, I'm worthy to, to step into God's presence. It, it enables me to come before Him in prayer, trusting, trusting and knowing that, that I'm open and free to do that. It, it allows me to continue to cr- trust in God, confident that, that He is faithful. Uh, he, he says and He does. And finally, it gives me confidence. Confidence that, that you, uh, as the body of Christ, are, are going to provoke me to love and good deeds. Confident that, that the Spirit of God is going to work in me as well to provoke you. It is far better, far better to follow Jesus. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for the confidence that you give us. A confidence not in ourselves, but in the work of Jesus. We pray for for those who are struggling, uh, struggling with following you. Uh, Give them hearts, hearts that are are reminded again of the greatness of the death of Jesus for them. We pray for those as well who who perhaps are still resting uh, in our own strength. We ask that you might give us humbleness and give us a confidence in Jesus. We pray this In Jesus' mighty name. Amen.